You're listening to Clarification on Springfield's Talk 1041. The best of Clarification. Hey, everybody. It's Clarification. As John Lennon said, turn off your mind, relax, and float downstream. You need to do that today. It's Clarification. I'm your host, James Clary. This show is something I've been looking forward to for so long. Uh, It's a topic that is of the esoteric. Some people think it's of the paranormal. Some people say it's just science that we haven't completely discovered. But what's truly amazing about this is we have a local guy, Shane Carpenter, who has made uh, at least one feature film, and he'll tell us, which is available on Amazon Prime, called Into the 400. And the topic is Bigfoot, the big fella, Sasquatch. And the evidence that Shane has uncovered right here in the Ozarks is not only compelling, it is stunning, in my opinion. And I will be, in all transparency, I'll tell the listeners I'm a believer. And it's based on years of research. It's based on interviews I've done with people like Ron Moorhead of the Sierra Sounds and others, and talking to Shane I believe that there is an unknown creature out there, and I believe that it actually inhabits woods very near where you're listening to right now here in Springfield. Shane, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You bet, man. So tell us, how did you get into this? I know I just find it a fascinating topic, you know, whether real or not. What what led you down this path? Well, in 1984, I was... 10 years old at the time, and I used to uh, go to my aunt and uncle's during the summer a lot. They lived outside of West Plains, Missouri, out in the country, uh, yep. very rural area. That's very, very rural. Heavily yep. wooded. Yep. Yeah, very heavily wooded down in Howe County. And um, his dog had ran off into the woods, and which was normal. He uh, he liked to chase deer. He was a, a black lab and Doberman mix. Yeah. So he, was, he basically looked like a Doberman, but thicker and, and you know, like the lab in mm-hmm. the chest area. But uh, he liked to chase deer, and when we would go out and track and, and whatnot, you know, he would always come along with us and stuff. And and uh, that particular day, he had been gone for a while, and my uncle typically would go out and whistle out the back door, and he would show up with, within 20 or 30 minutes. And he didn't show up that day, so my uncle asked me if I would go out to the wood line and, uh, you know, holler for him. All right. So... There's basically a, a large field behind my uncle's house, completely fenced in, had a big pond in the center, and then on the other side of the field is where the wood line started. So I, I crossed the field and had to cross through two fences, went into the wood line, and uh, started hollering for Sam, my uncle's dog, and was getting no responses or anything. So I started walking eastward, uh, just inside, you know, keeping the same distance, basically, inside the wood line. And as I furthered eastward, I started just getting this weird feeling, um, hard to describe, almost kind of like the feeling of being watched, mm-hmm. but it was much stronger than that. And eventually I stopped and I was getting really spooked. And for whatever reason, I focused in on this one particular tree. And as I'm sitting, standing, staring at this tree, this thing stepped out from behind the tree. Oh my God. And it was, uh, I know now that it was most likely a juvenile, but at the time I was 10 and I was, uh, wasn't a very robust kid. So yeah. you know, I was skinny and, and a, a small child. And so this thing looked basically almost like an adult size to me. 
Wow. And um, as far as comparing it to a human. And it took one step out. We stood there and stared at each other for 10 to 15 seconds. And it turned to its right, took off walking, crested up over a hill. And as it walked away, I just, I don't know if it was shock. Um, I don't remember feeling like a fear in the moment. Right. Describe uh, it for our listeners. um, It was, I would say, five to five and a half foot tall, um, completely covered in hair. It was a... Mostly black, but a, you could see some brown hair in it also, mm-hmm. but mostly black. It had a nose just like ours. Um, it had a brow ridge, a, 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 a very protruding brow, brow ridge. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have a lot as far as the lips go. Um, it never opened its mouth. So, you know, there's a lot of hair around the mouth and stuff. And it was, so I wasn't and it was on two feet. Lips. Yeah. It was absolutely on two feet. Okay. And... Um, yeah, uh, its face was mostly covered with hair. It was thinner around around the eyes and the nose and the mouth area. And um, the eyes were, if I remember correctly, were seemed to be like a deep dark brown mm-hmm. color. And um, my God, you I mean, must that's have been terrified, I, I was, dude. Well, that's what I was saying in the moment. It was almost as if I was in shock because I don't remember uh, feeling like fear. Right. Um, but as it crested the hill and disappeared, that's when the fear kicked in. Yeah. And uh, I turned around, took off running. And uh, as I was crossing the field, I noticed that my dad had showed up while I was out in the woods. And so I was screaming and yelling for him. By the time I got to the house, he was he had heard me come out the back door and you know I was bawling and crying, freaking out. Sure. um, Yeah, he was trying to calm me down. And he basically took me in, and I told him what had happened, and he basically tried to convince me that I was seeing shadows or or whatever, and it it just got spooked. You know, I'd let my imagination get the best of me. Yeah. And uh, later on in life, we had that, you know, I, I brought this subject up again, and we had that conversation, and uh, later on in life, my 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 father's uh, brother had some experiences, so he was more open to looking back at that situation and understanding that it was it was more than what he thought it was at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. So, and that's fairly common. It seems to me that you know the what the listeners may not understand. There are so many eyewitness accounts, and right around here, right. I mean, you can access the Absolutely. BFRO database. There was one on FF right outside of Springfield city limits in Greene County yeah. by a father and son, yeah. very credible witnesses, saw this uh-huh. thing walking across the field. So, I mean, I I know all about it. And, and, you know, I should say this, too. You can go to the BFRO BFRO website and and there are sightings in this area. Mm -hmm. But there are tons of sightings that have not been turned into the FB from to the BFRO in this area. Like yours. Many people reach out to me. Yeah. And uh, give me sighting reports. Um, There's quite a few people that have private properties in this area that have found tracks on their property and had had sightings uh i think there's a lot more around here than what people actually would would acknowledge. Uh, i want yes totally and i did want to bring up one statistic that mark twain national forest which encompasses most of the forests in southern missouri is 1.5 million acres 
of public land, 750 miles of trails, and 350 miles of navigable waterways. It is absolutely huge. And that doesn't count the private land like your uncle that owned woods, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, And that's what people don't understand, I think, is how much forested area we actually have right. in southern Missouri and northern Arkansas. And and, yeah. and like you get down into southeast Oklahoma and, right. it's, it's, you know, all mountains and forest also. Uh, the Wachita's. Down there also. I've been through yes. there. It is unbelievable. We drove three it's, hours and didn't see anything but but trees. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. We, we, we go down to the Kaimichi Mountains. Yeah. Uh, you, usually uh, at least once or twice a year. Right. And uh, we've we've had some success down there, too. My partner, Randy Harrington, um, actually started most of his research down in that area. And, yeah. And uh, there's a lot he, of reports. He's been at it for years. Yes. Well, oh, tons. Yeah. Well, we got just a few seconds left in this segment. I'm, we're going to get into your your research because it's just fascinating. We're going to talk about uh, your film, Into the 400, which is available on Amazon Prime. I want the listeners to know you can go rent it. As I did, it's an absolute treat to watch, and it's just freaky because I, you're going to tell tell us the general area of that land, and I I happen to know it's uh, it's in southeast Missouri, right? How yes, it's actually it's actually in Stone County. Stone County, okay, that's right. That's I can I got that confused. I don't know our guest today is Shane Carpenter, a local Bigfoot researcher and. Uh, Star of the, sh- the great film, Into the 400. It's Clarification. We'll be right back. You're listening to the best of Clarification on Springfield's Talk 1041. <laughs> Hey, everybody, it's Clarification. I'm your host, James Clary. What you heard there was some, it's often referred to in the Bigfoot community as the jibber-jabber or samurai talk from the Ron Moorhead Sierra Sounds tape. And Shane, our guest today, who's done his research in uh, Stone County, uh, has you've got some similar recordings to that too, Shane? I know, but before we get into that, you had another sighting, right? In 2013, you told me off the air. Yes, yes. Tell us about so that. this. Was a this was a really random thing? Uh, you know, when that happened as a child, I kind of put that in the back of my head. Eventually, lock and keyed it away, and mm. and I uh, just didn't think about it. And in 2013, um, I had decided that I was going to take my family for a hike. And this was on a Friday night. Um, I talked to the family. They were raring to go. So I found a, I got on Google Earth, found a place that I wanted to go hike in. And basically, uh, as we're going down a trail, probably a mile and a half out, um, we hit this one particular area and I started getting this, this feeling. And immediately I recognized it from back when I was 10 years old. Like immediately in my head, I, wow. I felt I, I felt like it was the same feeling or vibe that I was getting. So I tried to kind of, it sounds crazy, but I tried to kind of hone in on it. Mm-hmm. And my boys, my three boys and a friend were up ahead of us on the trail just a ways. And me and my wife were standing together and I told my wife to stay on the trail. I went to the left and stepped in tra- off trail, went in about 20, 30 feet. 
uh, started doing a, a scan with my, you know, visually through the woods. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say looking through the woods, looking into the woods. And uh, there were four heads sticking up from behind this, this thicket. This, this like a, an area where a couple of trees had came down and mm-hmm. vines and whatnot had grown into it. And uh, I could see these four heads sticking up. Uh, so immediately I, I came back out. I told my wife that uh, we were going to turn around and we needed to leave. And she could see that something was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of asking questions, she just kind of went with the flow. I gathered up the boys. We turned around and we, we hiked out. Wow. And um, that was kind of the beginning of all this for me. And uh, the next day, I, uh, I worked for myself at the time. I owned an MMA gym in Springfield, mm-hmm. and uh, I spent the next four days in a row out in that area from basically sunup to sundown, and that was on July 1st. Literally July 4th, just before sundown, I was driving home and stopping to get fireworks to go in July 4th with my family. So I kind of got obsessed and jumped in head first. So that's how you got into the the research that you've done, which eventually led to this film, Into the 400, which I really highly recommend our listeners go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. I'm sure it's on other venues as well. I mean, it's fascinating. So you, for some reason, Shane, I always thought that you were in southeast Missouri towards Ava, and maybe it's because of your West Plains sighting, but, you know, I spent a lot of time floating North Fork and the Bryant Creek, so I know uh-huh. that area, and I know it to be just a vast wilderness, but you're saying this was in Stone County, south of us. Yes, yes, wow. and there are tons of sightings down in, down around the Table Rock area. Right. You get down in there, uh, south of Table Rock, down into Arkansas, there's a ton of sightings. Well, just, you know, if you've ever been on Table Rock, and I know almost all of our listeners have, look look to your left and right. I mean, there's usually one side of the lake has docks and some cabins, but the other side is this vast wilderness. Yes. It's, it's amazing how much woods there are along Table Rock. And, you know, the uh-huh. few cabins yeah. there are, those are just right along the lake, usually behind the cabins, particularly on one side of the lake. There's nothing. I mean, for... Fifty hundreds of miles. It's it's insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this particular area I researched for a couple of years, and uh, the, eventually I, I somebody out with me to witness these things because I was seeing them often. Um, they were, you know, they would trail me when I was hiking out through the area. Um, they would, you know, they would uh, get ahead of me at times. And anyway, long story short. I took uh, one of my fighters out who was ex-military also yeah. to witness these things so I could talk about it because I needed somebody else to see this and witness it so people yeah, think I was crazy. You're holding all this in, and that that was the next yeah. point. It's like, God, you had to be going nuts. So you had permission. It's called the 400 because it's a 400-acre tract of land in Stone County, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, the 400 is not the uh, same place that I was at in 2013. Okay. So, uh, where I was going was I took this fellow out with me. Yeah. Um, I got him within about 30 feet of one, and we actually had to give chase to it, and it was wow. one of the juveniles. He got to witness it, and this thing was, uh, it stopped, and then kind of, it was like it was trying to hide in a thicket, and it had his head sticking out looking at us, and once he saw it, he's standing looking at it. He's looking, looking back at me and looking at it, 
and then it turned, took off on all fours running, and and went from all fours to a stand-up run without missing a beat, wow. like without slowing down whatsoever. When this thing stood up is when my friend freaked out. He I had bet. A, like, full on, he had a full-on panic attack. Yeah. And uh, I had to hike him out of the woods immediately, actually. But moving forward from that. Is that the one um, that was on the, that that there was a show that you did that recounted an experience? Was it Terror in the Woods? It was on Discovery. What was that? Was that that one? Uh, no, Terror in the Woods was it was uh, actually that show. They kind of did a disservice to us. Well, because, it's uh, reality buddy, TV. Unfortunately, yeah, me and a buddy went and. What they did was they took three different stories and blended them together okay. to make one story. Okay, but it's based on so, truth. I mean, right? Yes, yes. But they yes. took they took artistic liberty with it, right? Yeah, Absolutely. and I figured that. I've done a couple real. I did a history show, History Channel. I did a Travel Channel show. So yeah, I get it. You know, but yeah, yeah. But it was based they, on they, your real experiences. Actually, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and. uh I actually was uh, did some negotiating with uh, a couple networks to do a full full on show about this subject, and yeah. uh, I turned them all down because they had too much creative liberty. Yeah, and, and they want to uh, put a bunch and, of nonsense just to make it terrifying or whatever. Yeah, yeah, know? and I just I wasn't willing to do that. Good. I, I wanted to do something that was 100% true or, or not. Well, we got four you know, minutes, if, so if let's, anything. let's get into it. What led to Into the 400? How'd you get permission so, to this land, and how'd you, you know there were these creatures there? So I got brought into the property by uh, an old friend of mine's brother. Um, he was into the subject and uh, saw me on a website and contacted me, and he said, hey, I've got a buddy that's got some weird stuff going on on his property. It's kind of freaking him out. Uh, he said, I've been out and hiked around the property some, and I'm finding the finding this and this, and I think it may be Bigfoot-related. Would you like to come out and check out the property? I said, when? He said, tomorrow, and <laughs> yeah, I said, I'm in. You're right. And, uh, and the first day out, we spent about have eight to ten hours hiking the whole property. Mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, get my feet on the whole, like every area of the property, and sure. to get familiar with things, you know. And uh, about three quarters of the way through the day, we ended up having one follow us. Um, I picked up on it and spotted it, and uh, the guy Mark that had taken me out there, he had never seen one or experienced one, and he actually got to see it that day too. Wow. So first day out there. Yeah, I saw understood one. that they were there. Absolutely. People and are from got, that point forward. Yeah. From that point forward, I had permission to come out and research as often as I want. So we, we've got to address um, this. We got two and a half minutes. Left. We have to address this because listeners are going to say, Shane, why? Why should we believe you could be making all this up? You know, you got this, this television deals, blah, blah, blah. You know, I happen to think you're a very credible guy, but, you know, just address that for a minute, if you would. Well, as, as far as credibility, um, I've turned down two different networks. Um, the situation I'm in now, when we first started look, started getting approached with it, I got offered $500,000 from two dish, different production companies, um, turned them down, uh, because credibility is everything. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if you lose your credibility, then anything you have uh, moving forward is, is nothing, basically. 
So, yeah. and I've understood that. Um, you served in the I'm military, not, not, right? I didn't. I didn't. Oh, you um, did. But I have trained a lot of military guys. I got gotcha. you. You're and, an MMA. Uh, you were trainer. You said you yes. owned a gym that trained MMA fighters. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yes, yes. I misunderstood. I train fighters for a living. I got. Gotcha. And I'm an ex-fighter myself. Well, so, yeah, you're obviously um, in shape, dude. I mean, when you see you guys on the fan, the guys you're with, they're all jacked, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, so I just continued that process out there. And, uh, you know, I've tried to be out there every every weekend if possible. And uh, eventually uh, I've got a I've got a way that I go about things. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I stuck to that in the 400. It worked just like it had in my old place in 2013, the same things that I was doing there, I just continued using those same tactics here. And uh, eventually I had them, uh, I, I'd set up a bait station. I had them hitting my bait station and I started, uh, started understanding where they were hanging out on the property. Mm-hmm. And so when we did into the 400, I brought a group of guys in, all of them were from out of state and they were all researchers. Um, they all, you know, nobody really agreed on everything. Yeah. And that was kind of the point, bringing in different minds, you know. Right. And, uh, I brought them in. And usually you bring people into a situation like that and things things don't happen. Yeah. And it was just the opposite. Things actually uh, got more exciting. Uh, I and, can't wait. To, the next segment, we're going to go over what you actually found and saw in that film. It's It's pretty stunning stuff. It's clarification. I'm joined by Shane Carpenter. We'll be right back. You're listening to the best of Clarification on Springfield's Talk 1041. Now, that's kind of hard to hear. Welcome back to Clarification. That is one of the roars that Shane Carpenter, our guest, caught on audio. And, and since then, he's got even better sounds. But when you listen to that, there's no animal in the Ozarks that makes that type of noise. And I know it's kind of hard for the listeners to hear, but if you go, it's actually on YouTube and it's uh, in the film for sure. Shane, talk about Into the 400, how that came about. Yeah. So I, uh, after everything picked up and um, I had had a pretty good sense of when these things were on the property and when they weren't. They had kind of a uh, a pattern okay. that I picked up on. And uh, so basically, um, once I got that pattern down, I timed it to bring some researchers in from uh, a few different other states so that they could witness and get involved in this. I was trying to build a team is what I was trying to do. Sure. And um, so the very first night that they were all there, uh, we caught the the large male on thermal about a mile and a half from camp and uh is that the hider everything, that what i call the hider the one the peeker peeking up over the um no that was that was the second night okay. actually all right I got um you. what happened on the first night the thermal didn't come out really well um mm-hmm. we were having some issues with the humidity and whatnot right and uh you know we have the thermal and when we pointed out, you can see this thing. It actually, at one point, it's pacing. It's out in the open, pacing back oh, and forth yes. between two trees. Right, right. And, it's uh, just not very clear. Yeah, it's just not clear because of the distance. Right. But um, yeah, um, the second night, we uh, we caught that the one that we call the peaker. And um, the way we use our thermals, um, we don't like facing the individuals when yep. we when we catch a subject on thermal. We want to be able to turn our backs to it. Um, because 
what we noticed immediately is if we're facing them, they will freeze, or if they move, they will move so slow that you can't tell. Well, now people think, well, that's kind of weird, but look, they've done studies. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake, who I had on the show, has done studies that people can sense when they're being stared at. These creatures obviously are in tune with what we are doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you turn your back to make them feel more comfortable, and the footage you caught is of a round head bobbing up and down. Not bobbing. He looks up. And then he slowly goes behind the the tree line, and then he looks up again, and it does it several times. It's it's unbelievable, Shane. There's no animal in the Ozarks forest that does that. Right, right. And we have we have we have caught these things on thermal multiple times, um, showing those same things. Uh, wow. so, you know, when when you're facing them, they'll move really slow, if at all. Mm-hmm. Typically, they'll freeze. Um, when, as soon as we turn our backs to them. It's as if they understand we're not looking in their direction and they'll start moving like full speed and they'll they'll uh, expose themselves a little more. And that's I've, how we've been able to, to get them on thermal. And uh, our thermal is actually set up on a monopod and we have a screen that hangs around our chest. Uh, and um, and so we turn our backs and we watch the screen and we can move the thermal as need be. And you had it on a stick so you could raise it up if you needed to. I mean, it's pretty amazing because yes. I don't know, and I've watched a lot of Bigfoot, so, you know, Expedition Bigfoot, all this stuff. I find it fascinating, but nobody's ever used that technique, turning their backs to the creatures. Yeah, that's a that's a technique that Randy Harrington, as far as I know, came up with. There's other people that are using the same tactic, and you have guys like Scott Carpenter. He runs a GoPro on his shoulder, mm-hmm. pointed backwards while he's hiking through the woods. Oh. So um, there was some thought to it, but as far as I know, Randy Harrington is is the first person that started actually using that tactic uh, in the moment, knowing they were there. Right. You know? So we'll look for the heat signatures if we find if we see something that's interesting, we'll turn our backs to it, give it some time, and you know, animals act like animals. So yeah. we're we're always able to, if we just sit and, and we don't rush ourselves, we'll eventually figure out what it is. Right. And if we can't, we started, we got to a point where I felt comfortable, comfortable approaching the subjects. And so we went into it with like a Jane Goodall thought process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time this the happened, habituation. we had one about 100 feet. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we had one about 100 feet from us. Um, on thermal, I walk out to it about halfway. I turn around, and the plan was for me to sit down with my back to it. And oddly enough, when I got out there, I couldn't, my brain would not let my butt touch the ground. Wow. So it's like the bottom of my feet needed to be on the ground you in were, case I needed to exit quickly. You were too <laughs> terrified. Yes. I know. I don't know how so Jane Goodall did that stuff. I mean, some of it's terrifying, you know? Right. And these Well, eventually that night, I, I walked back to the guys. We actually had a biologist. Um, it was the first, first time I'd brought him in because mm-hmm. I wanted to get some people that were scientific-minded involved. Right. So I brought a biologist named Dan Nedrolo in for the first time, and he had been on the property for about an hour before this happened. Wow. And uh, he was just blown away. So he, he got to sit, stand with Randy and watch through the thermal as I approached this thing. I sat down about halfway out. I come back to the guys. It was about a 15-minute ordeal. And then I decided to see how close I could get. And we had this thing pinned down in this high grass area, and mm-hmm. it couldn't escape without being completely seen out right. in the open. So it was kind of stuck. Right. Um, so I walked out and I got within about seven or eight foot of it and it was laying down on its belly. I actually hit its, it, it was 
it was uh, raising its head up to the top of the grass to look through the grass to see me. Mm-hmm. And I hit it with the flashlight, um, I think three times in the face. Ugh. And I decided to step on up to it and I was going to walk to my left to look over the grass because I wanted to see its whole body, how right. big it was. Right. And as I, as I started stepping to the left on my fourth step, the one that was in front of me on the ground, we believe it clacked its teeth. That's what it sounded like. Uh-huh. And immediately a rock came out from my left and landed right by my foot as I set my fourth step down. Wow. And I immediately, as I set that step down, I pivoted and walked back to the guys. Um, the next day, the next morning, we went out to go over the scene, recreate it. And I went out and uh, we scanned out behind where the subject was in this thicket. And we found we found the mother's tracks. So we're pretty sure the mother had reacted to the young one clacking its teeth and she threw the rock. Now, I'll note that she didn't hit me. I was not hit with the rock. Right. And I've never been hit. And we've had we've had so many rocks thrown into camp. It's ridiculous. Well, and let me point out for the listeners, that's a very common observed behavior by these creatures. They throw rocks and they generally don't hit people. Right. You know, and they, their aim, I think, is really good. I, I surmise they use rocks to hunt. I think they're probably really good at throwing rocks at deer or whatever. But they uh, this is just so strange, this topic, man. It just it blows yeah, me away. We've got about a minute uh, left, Shane. At some point, we've got to address the elephant in the room, which everybody asks, why haven't they found one? And I have my thoughts on it. Just can you give me your quick thoughts on that? Why haven't we found oh, the bones? Have, um, you know, you don't typically find bones in the woods. Exactly. Um, especially in the Northwest where it's the, the soil's more acidic. And humid, um, yeah. But yeah, most of the time um, we don't find bones out in the woods. There's black bears bear all over the Ozarks. Yeah, yeah I've never seen a There's, black bear skeleton hiking in the woods. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, things tend to go away in the woods, even bones like um, squirrels. Right. Bones, right. Even for the calcium, um, you know, many there's there's many. And larger animals, animals and do. small, they go hide to die. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. It's a very normal, common thing. Well, we've got one segment left. I could talk to you for a week. It's clarification. My guest is Shane Carpenter of Into the 400. We'll be right back. You're listening to the best of Clarification on Springfield's Talk 1041. Hey, everybody, it's Clarification. We're talking to Shane Carpenter about, oh man, wild stuff for sure, Shane. That story of you coming up on a, on a juvenile in the lane in the grass is just, it's crazy. Now, You've you've been doing this. The film was released, I don't know, a few years ago, right? But you've continued your research in the 400. Yes, right? and that all that footage in that film was two years old by the time we got it out, too. Yeah. So what's so it been? Four had, or five years now? Yeah, we're we're going on six years on this property. And so it's you, a, it's a long term project. I think that's great. I think that's the only way. That we're ever going to get conclusive evidence. But you know what? I don't really care for those care if people don't believe it doesn't matter to me. I, you know, I believe you believe, you know, you've seen it. I believe, you know, because you've personally witnessed this stuff. But absolutely. And and I and I get that a lot. I've had, uh, you know, my friends have a hard time with it because they want to believe me. They know me. They know my character. Sure. Um, 
but you know, still they have a hard time with it. And that's understandable. I completely get it. Um, but you know, there's also been times where I've been scoffed at and I scoff back at those people because they've been led to believe that there's a myth that has been told and these things aren't real. And I know otherwise. Well, look what's happening in the UFO thing right now. I mean, come on. I was scoffed at for years for saying, look, I believe these stories of Rendlesham and and, uh, all the the thousands of sightings of UFOs. My cousin, who was very high up in the CIA, told me the universe is a thousand times stranger than you can ever imagine. You know, that's all he would tell me. But but, you know, and people go, oh, you're crazy, man. And now the government's confirmed it. So everything science has told us really has been a lie. You know, I think the U.S. government knows this. These creatures. Well, science science is always wrong. And I say that because um, science always is always moving forward. Yes. And they always find that they're wrong about a little piece of this. Yeah. And they move forward and they discover more, you know, so there's there's always things they're wrong about in science. And sometimes you know, I personally believe there's things that we're not told for whatever reasons. Right. You know, that's kind of kept kept back from us, from the public. Why would they keep the Bigfoot thing? I think it's to protect personally logging interests and and big companies. Well, think about this. If there's a possibility that these things are a relic hominid and yep. they're related to us. Yeah. Um, then you get into things like human rights. Mm. Um, and then you're talking any place that these things are seen in the woods would mm-hmm. have to be quarantined off from humans. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and if you really go, if you really go back and look at when the, the public parks were created and, um, the national parks were created, and who and which president created those? Teddy. Um, yep. And then you, and <laughs> yeah. then you read the stories of you know what that president, president had uh, heard and heard and heard stories about in the woods. You know, it's it's interesting. Well, yeah, interesting. and I think we just need to put up Teddy Roosevelt was the first president. I think it was Yellowstone, and in his book, he recounted the tale of a Sasquatch. Yes, yes. and and, and the then tracker, he the tracker that he had with him had his own stories. Yes. And so Teddy Roosevelt, you know, makes this a national park so it'll be unspoiled. And then the government starts doing this at the time. All the land was available for sale. And like I said, now we've got a million and a half acres just in Mark Twain. So yeah, that it could be one of the reasons that this habitat is there. And it really doesn't matter. If you look, if you're listening to the show, you can believe or not. Shane doesn't really care. I don't really care. I, if you're like me, though, you're you have a curious mind. And this is fascinating that this is going on in Stone County. Shane, it just it blows me away, man. Tell me what you've been finding well, lately or in the last well, since the release of the film. Let's let's say. So the last several years have been plentiful. Um, we've we've gotten more thermals. Um, we've had uh, more personal visuals. We've had several quite a few trackways and many of them, several of them had over a hundred tracks in them. Um, I've casted over a hundred tracks out of these cat, out of these trackways. Um, and they are in mud. There's these mud flats. We believe that they're collecting muscles when Mm. the water goes down. Oh yeah. And talk about uh, the dermal ridges in the tracks. Explain that to people. 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people think that these, these tracks can be faked. And as a tracker, um, the tracks that we're finding are not faked because you can see the different push-off in the substrate. You can see, you know, the different movements from the feet. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we have the feet clenching in mud. We have them spread in mud in the same trackways. So um, a wooden, a wooden they have dermal foot. ridges on them, and right. dermal ridges would be very, very, very tough to fake. You you couldn't do this with a wooden foot. And who the heck? Oh, I no. mean, this would have to be no. you, Shane. This is you, like making different sizes of fake Bigfoot feet, going out and playing. I mean, that's what people think. To me, that's the absurd idea. That's absurd. Well, here's the thing: is the tracks that we're finding most of the time in these mudflats are the juvenile tracks. Yeah. And they're within human range. But there are things in these tracks that human feet can't, they can't produce these tracks and these type of tracks in the substrate. Okay. Um, you know, you heard about the mid-tarsal break. Yes. Um, another thing that we're finding, we're actually getting ready to go public with this, but um, for years it has been said that these things have a mid-tarsal break and they don't have arches. Humans are the only species that has arches. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're seeing is that they do have arches, and as they grow and get heavier and, and they bulk out as adults, their feet flatten out. Oh. And, and that happens to humans that hardly wear shoes. Yeah. Um, so they we're seeing their the arches. arches, and arches, arches are a human characteristic. Um, language is a human characteristic. There's a tendon that runs from your hip to your knee. That allows us to walk bipedally. Mm-hmm. That's a human characteristic. They have to have that to walk bipedally. So we're seeing human characteristics, and um, that I think is can be scary for science. Well, what do you? We got to get into that, dude. And I know you've done Wes's show, Sasquatch Chronicles, which is a great show, mm-hmm. by the way. If if our listeners uh, are interested, that's that's a pretty cool show. Wes always asks the question, and I'm going to use his and ask you, Shane, what do you think these things are? Personally, if I had to guess, um, just from the data that we've collected, mm-hmm. my guess would be that they are a relic hominid that has, that has made it. Mm. So a relative of ours, though, right? Yes, yes. Well, I've lined up Melba Kepton to be on the show, and I don't know what you think of her work. Uh, she did a DNA analysis and found that of big supposed Bigfoot samples, and her findings were that, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, that the, uh, was it the genetic GNA was, was human? No, was the, uh, mito- the mitochondrial side, which is the mother side, was 100% human. Yes. The male side, which is which they pull from the nuclear DNA, was, was when they ran it through. Yeah, when they ran it through gene bank and it matched nothing. Yeah, the nuclear DNA. That's right. Yeah, it. Yeah, it was there's, unknown. There's a there's a lot of arguments, you know, on whether her her I know. her, uh, her study was done correctly. <laughs> You know, well, of uh, course. But, but if you look, if the government knows this and they're trying to cover it up, there was every time there was a, you know, any kind of UAP UFO, a credible sighting, they they derided you. They just I think they did that to Melba Ketchum. I'm sure you've had it right. People poking fun. Oh, oh sure. you're an idiot. You're a conspiracy theorist. Blah, blah, blah. Right. For sure. But but, you know, let me say I've I have talked to doctors that have had eyewitness accounts. I've talked to sheriffs, a highway patrolman, um, a, an attorney. Like I've talked to a lot of people yeah. that 
the general public would consider credible people. Right. Very credible people that have witnessed these things. I know. It's the same with other phenomenon chain, you know, whether it's paranormal, UFO, the, there's incre- there's just people that are credible to the nth degree report these things, yet they're derided. That It's very frustrating to me. I don't know. Yes, it is. It can be. But over time, I've kind of learned to just accept that and and uh, be able to roll with it. You know, it comes with the territory. And uh, so we're we're out to prove we have a couple biologists that are involved with us now. Um, we're working on bringing an anthropologist into the mold to uh, to be able to go over data, um, physical data and uh, video data. And you've got so, a kind of a new project working on, right? We got about three minutes. Tell me, tell me what yeah, you were telling um, me yesterday off air. Yeah, so um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard about the new documentary on HBO called on HBO called Burden of Proof. Mm-hmm. Um, the director, the creator of that documentary, her name is Cynthia Hill. Um, her and her team have been working with us since last October. Uh, we brought them into the situation. And basically, they are filming a docu-series right now that is about me and my partner and the research that we're doing. That and, is so um, cool. The, you know, her intentions were to come in as a skeptic, and if nothing happens, you know, the docu- docu-series is about me and my buddy and why we're so ate up with this subject. <laughs> right. But uh, the first day we brought them in, they had been there an hour. Uh, Cynthia and her main camera lady, Blair, went down the trail to go find them a spot to dig a hole. Mm-hmm. For their, you know, for their, they want a different, different spot, you know, than the men. Oh, yeah, um, for the toilet so, access. Yes, yes, I gotcha. Yes, yes. I gotcha. Um, I was trying to stay clean for No, nah, that's all right. Uh, but uh, what they you took do off the down woods. the trail, yeah. headed, westward, headed westward, and they cut into the thicket between the creek and the trail. And uh, Blair was digging the hole, and Cynthia looks up and sees something black run down the dry creek bed. Oh, my God. And And I told her. Um, when you come in, what's going to happen is you're going to experience all this stuff with us, and you're going to have to be part of the docu series because you're going to have to your 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 testimony. With this. You're, yeah, she's going to have to talk about it. So they had been there an hour, and she had to come back to camp. Uh, we had our biologist there. You know, they're going over the possibilities, and she had to get on camera immediately and talk about what she had just seen. Was she freaking? Um, so, uh, not freaking. Um, I would have been. You know, man. she's. She was uh, taken aback a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we was we were talking about the tracks and faking the tracks. Um, we've actually we have on film with this with this crew. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to go out and see some tracks that were left in the mud flat. Wow. And we, uh, I got I took my shoes and socks off and I made my own trackway. Yeah. And Cynthia actually took hers off and she made her own trackway. And we were trying. We did that so we could compare, compare the yeah. tracks, the human tracks, to these tracks that we that we were finding. Right. And um, we're not able to create some of the things that are in these tracks in the substrate that are gotcha. left behind. Shane, we are out of time, dude. I, I, this show is way too short, Sarah, the producer. We're going to have to fix that. Will you come back and keep us abreast? Sure, sure. Okay, sure. man. Um, I do want to say real quick. Oh, yeah, um, get that, that in. September 16th in Ozark is the second annual Ozark Mountain Bigfoot Conference. Uh, me and my partner will be speaking. There's a couple other speakers that are just going to blow people's minds with scientific data. And uh, we're also cool. having a camp out 
Um, so you can find the Bigfoot, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Ozark Mountain Bigfoot Conference on Facebook. Okay. And it has all the info there. Awesome. September 16th. Shane Carpenter, thanks, buddy. We'll do it again. Uh-huh.